Welcome to Fanti Beautiful People, the podcast for all those complex and complicated conversations about the gray areas in our lives. I am entertainment journalist, editor, and content creator person, Travel Anderson. And I am politics and pop culture journalist and writer uh, and confused about Travel. Uh, Aren't you always? <laughs> aren't we always? Uh, Jarrett Hill, thank you so much for being here this week. Coming up on the show, we figured that it's the holiday, it's Thanksgiving, where we all usually try to come together for better or for worse. And this year, you probably shouldn't be, but we're going to be talking about uh, finding common ground and why that's a little bit controversial. Um, that's coming up a little bit later. But first... We are going to get into our Pass the Popcorn segment. This is a segment where we talk about all the shit y'all talked about on the internet. Um, and last week, People Magazine released its annual Sexiest Man Alive with Michael Bay Jordan taking home the honor for the first time. So I thought it could be fun for us to go through some of the other honorees, if you will, from this year's list. And, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, these particular decisiones. Okay? Okay. Um, and so they have Chris Evans, which I don't even know which Chris that is. To be fair, I mix up Chris Evans and Chris Pine all the time. What about the other Chris? There's like three of them, ain't it? But Chris Pratt, I don't get confused because I remember him That's from another show. That's not even the one show. I was talking about, so there must be four. Hemsworth is You're the talking one about I Chris Hemsworth about. then? Okay, wait. So let me, let me remember... Uh, okay, so Jordan is messaging us, Chris Jamal Evans, because Chris Evans is the one that is always like down for black shit, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And they call him Chris Jamal Evans because he loves all things black mm. um, in a way that doesn't feel like appropriation. Different conversation. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> wait, so Chris Evans. I mean, they're both handsome looking people, but I think of the two Chris's, I want to say Chris Pine is the cuter one. I'm looking at them right now on Google. Chris Evans... Perfectly cute. Could get it. Chris Pine is the other one. Oh, no. It's definitely Chris Evans. Yes. <laughs> Chris Jamal you are Evans disrespectful. is the one. Yes. You are disrespectful. So they also have... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes. I know that because I've recently been making my way downtown through the um, uh, Marvel universe. Pause. Are you doing all the Marvel movies? I Well, yeah, we've pretty much done it. We I think the last one we have is the, the last Spider-Man. Oh, I wish I would have known that because I wanted to go through them all, but I haven't. So, um, okay, I mean, we've been on. doing it throughout the entire goddamn quarantine. Like, I, you know, I, same. Each well, movie's what, two hours, three hours long. I, I was going to say. And when I say same, let me be clear. I've watched the first <laughs> half of Iron Man. So wow, that's wow, about it. <laughs> wow. Okay, so also on the list is Brad Pitt, who is always on the list. Dwayne Johnson, who's always on the list, who actually won, I think, a few years ago, Sexiest Man Alive. Brad Pitt, off and on. It really depends on the day, the week, and the hairstyle. Dwayne Johnson, as someone who I dated in my head for a lengthy period of time, um, I <laughs> Dwayne Johnson is like he's too much of like a big ass muscle walking around now, so it's mm. not sexy to me anymore. When he was less massive, it was really sexy. Now he you just like looks you like him a little squishy. I, yeah, sure, but like it's just <laughs> too much muscle. It's like he is just like a hulking thing now. It's too much. Okay, so they also have in 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 uh, people of color land. They have Maluma, Chris Rock, um, John David Washington, who okay. is a fine man. Okay, so so Chris Rock is an interesting choice. I've always been a fan of Chris Rock. 
him being one of the sexiest people alive is interesting. It's a um, choice, surely. Maluma, not mad. Yeah, I guess. I I am not mad at it at all. Um, well, last a, but not least, it's, it's very good. Oh well, that photo he yeah. that photo make him look like Zayn Malik. Yeah, he kind of looks like yeah. He has this blonde hair. This which I'm never into like the bleach blonde thing on anybody. I but, was gonna go bleach blonde. But see, for you on bleach blonde with you, like on black folks, it's normally more like of a like an ambery bronzy kind of color. But on non-black people, it'd be like this white platinum thing. You know what I mean? And it's just not hot for me. Sorry, continue. Last but not least, person I wanted to highlight, you know, um, what they call, I think they call him Chart Throb, um, Steve Kornacki. Oh, God. Da- um, Data Bay. They had all kinds of Chart Daddy. So it's just funny not to chart me. Chart Daddy. What? I, I feel like they've had all kinds of names for him. The thing that's funny to me about this is like, Steve Kornacki has people have been so in love with him from the 2020 election um, over on MSNBC. But like Steve Kornacki has been exactly the same thing for years. And so it's it's funny to me that like now people are paying attention because Steve Kornacki, most people don't know that Steve Kornacki is gay. Um, Steve Kornacki is like out gay, has like written a piece, I think it's late years ago about being out and like having a partner and all that kind of stuff. Um, and people just have no idea about anything about Steve Kornacki. So it's kind of a trip to me. But as we're having this conversation, it makes me think about this clip that uh, Jordan, our producer, sent to us, I believe, or maybe it was Laura, uh, with Hassan Minhaj, who people know from Patriot Act or from The Daily Show or from his stand-up. Um, and he was recently, uh, earlier, I think last year, on the Vanity Fair lie detector test show, um, which, to be fair, was made really popular by Kiki Palmer and... Yes. Sorry, sorry to this man. man. Yes, sorry <laughs> to this man. Sorry to this man. I do not know who that is. And it was Dick Cheney, um, yes. former vice president. And uh, Hassan was on the show and he was asked about comments made about his good looks because he's beautiful. Um, but the comments were made by average as can be looking ass Dak Shepard, who I've never gotten the appeal of Dak Shepard. I, I don't know who that is either. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. I just see him on shit and I'm like, I don't get it. He was on like, he represented America on some global, fo- global food cooking thing. And I was like, what? But mm. anyway, this is what the interaction was when they asked Hassan, Hassan Minaj about Dak Shepard's comments about him. When referring to your good looks, This man, Dax Shepard, called you a 9 out of 10. Does it bother you that he didn't call you a 10? No. I think that he was going way too high. Do you know how you would rate him? That's not fair. That's not not a fair... Okay, you guys really did your research for this. Because you had to listen to the podcast. I would give Dax... I have to give a number. 6.57 Harsh Wow He's this Okay Dax is part of a thing Where in show business There's this whole movement Of like approachable white dudes Whereas with like Men of color It's like Idris Elba Henry Golding Zayn Malik Or You work in IT There's no middle You know how there's a whole class Of white dudes Of just like schlubby dudes Who went to high school with me but now made it in showbiz. There's no like that. You got to have like the V taper in your abs if you're going to be Asian and 
you got to be like Daniel Day Kim. Have you seen that photo where he he flexes his pecs like this and he can hold the pencil? You got to be Daniel Day Kim ripped. Like you can't ever have bread or cereal. So do you think you're better looking than Dex? Do I think? Yes, I'm looking at Dex. Yes, yes. But I, I will not get the same opportunities that Dex does. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Dex. I'm really sorry. So I thought this was an interesting piece of commentary Maybe. from from Hassan because I don't think he's wrong. What do you think he, about you it? You ain't gotta. Th- you ain't gotta think he ain't wrong. He ain't <laughs> wrong. Okay. All these little schlubby little people that y'all be just like thirsting over that you know it, it's okay for you know particularly white. Um, and, and certain types of, I think, non-white people, um, you know, like the spicy whites, you know, um, <laughs> to be regular deglish regular looking, right? But like our folks, you know, they got to have the six pack. They've got to be super uber desirable, right? And like, it's just, it, it, they don't keep that same energy when you got a little bit, a little extra melanin, um, you know, in your, in your DNA profile, um, as with other folks. And, and I think part of it is kind of like a Hollywood thing in terms of like these ideas of like, what's, what's sellable, what's marketable, what's not. Um, but I also think it's like a, also like societal thing as well in which different people can be, different people can have dad bods and different people cannot. Different people can, you know, be just regular, regular, schmegler with a little, you know, a little roll, you know, a little stretch mark or so, you a know, little, I, a people. little dinner roll, a little Hawaiian roll, you little, know, little, little, little ciabatta bread, you know, <laughs> a, little um, <laughs> a little focaccia, you know, you little, know. just a little sit and sit Okay. Just, just as an aside, we're going to talk about our launching of our merch a little bit later. I do think that we should probably do some merch for white people that says spicy white on it. I hate you so much. I think that would be great. And I think white people would buy it. We've gotten letters from people saying they want to be identified as spicy white, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Different conversation for later on in the show. Um, I, I did think it was an interesting thing for Hassan to say because I, I there is the, I mean, it has to do with colorism, right? It has to do with you know, pretty privilege as they call it. It has to do with a lot of different things. And I was, I was really fascinated by this. And I also kind of wanted them to edit in that moment from Mean Girls at the end of it, when they ask him if he thinks he's cuter than Dak Shepard. And he was like, I mean, yeah. And I wanted them to be like, so you agree? You think you're really attractive, you know, like, but like, I mean, he is. So, um, listen, so he that. knows what he sees in the mirror. Okay. He knows what, that the girls are thirsting. And he knows what we see in the mirror as well. Okay. How you doing? Oh, okay. Uh, so when we come back, everybody wants us to find some common ground with the zanies and the fools out here in these streets. <laughs> when we come back, we will get into it. Fantai and Common Ground. Hi, I'm Renee Colvert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Second big news. Mm -hmm. The reviews are in. Mm Mm-hmm. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, mm-hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. 
Hey friends, Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have some really great news to share with you. This year has brought a lot of changes for all of us. And one tradition that we were grateful to be able to hold on to is our annual pin sale to benefit charity. This year, through your generosity and love of pins, you helped raise $95,400 for Give Directly. If you're a member and you bought pins, they'll ship in January. In the meantime, your support will provide direct cash relief to families impacted by COVID-19 across the United States. Even in this incredibly tough year, the Max Fund community remains extraordinarily kind. And whether or not you bought pins, you can continue to help by heading to givedirectly.org. And as always, thank you. Welcome back to Fantai. We thought this week with many gathering together, whether defiantly, socially distant, or virtually, uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday, it'd probably be a good time to have a conversation about this idea of finding common ground. Uh, it's been a major political conversation with the election of Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and I think Joe Biden is included in there somewhere. You are disrespectful. Um, but there are at least two different sides to uh, coming together for um, every different side of like political spectrum, ideology, identity, and all of these different things. I recently wrote a piece in Revolt where the headline that I did not write, but I wasn't mad at, said, uh, Black people are done trying to understand white people who support Trump. Uh, on the reasons I don't think it's our work, uh, specifically black folks' work, to try and understand white people that voted for Trump or that don't see, um, that don't understand the conversations around racism. And while everyone's Thanksgiving table isn't divided along racial lines, many holiday gatherings will have some political and ideological divides. Before mm. we get into all the different perspectives on this, Travel, where do you see yourself on the spectrum of like common ground seeker or combative? We knocking and bucking and ready to fight. Hey, <laughs> that that's an answer, okay? Listen, I mean, I just I don't, you know. I think, and we're gonna get into this, but I just think there are some things that just like aren't negotiable. Like there's there there does sure. not exist a quote unquote common ground. There's just the damn ground, you know. And either you gonna stand on this ground or your ass are gonna fly over there. Well, I guess I look at it on similarly, like there are some things I'm not willing to compromise on, right? Like there are some things I'm not willing to like give an inch on. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like my identity and my humanity, like I'm not moving, I'm not budging that anymore, right? Like we mm -hmm. just did a whole show on code switching and like I was saying then, like I just, I don't see it for like code switching nearly as much as I used to. Um, and so that is an interesting part of it, but I guess... When we're looking at like the things that we we like or appreciate about trying to find common ground, I know that I am a person who believes in working together with different kinds of people. I think we're always uh, more empowered when we have more people with stakes in the game, to be quite honest. And like at the risk of a Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, campaign. Y'all just won't let that woman let that woman go. Let no, I was gonna say like I, I I think that we are you know as as marginalized groups stronger together. Mind you, I hated that messaging for a campaign. Different conversation, uh -huh. but I do think that we are you know more powerful when we can have a coalition of people together. Where are you on about about common ground though? I mean, let's see here. What do you I love? Do... What do you like about? I do believe in coalition building. 
I believe in folks from different backgrounds coming together as a means of like working toward this promised land that we all say we want, right? I believe in that um, wholeheartedly. And I actually believe that like that type of, of solidarity is going to be necessary. Like it, it is only through that that we will get where we trying to get in terms of, you know, liberation, freedom, all that other stuff that y'all activists and stuff be talking about, right? I think the only way that's going to happen, considering the systems, right, that are at play that we have to undo, then, you know, we gotta, you know, come on together. But I often think about like, how in these conversations there is, like I think we have to pay attention to like who's got power and who's don't, who's mm. got privilege and who don't. And like, if we, if we don't come together, if we don't do that coalition building, then like we likely won't have enough like well-meaning white progressives whose who's quote unquote work, right, it is to do some of these things um, to root out anti-blackness and systemic racism and all those types of things. If we don't have enough of those people, there's no possible way, um, at least in how I'm thinking of it right now, that we can, you know, do all of that. Uh, but that being said, I will say, I think my thoughts about this common ground conversation are different, you know, based on like family members or like close friends versus like, you know, Tom, Dick and John down the street. So Harry is just completely out of that analogy. Yes, now. we giving Harry a break. Okay. Okay. Wanted to be clear. Um, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I see this the most in like the work that you and I both do at NABJLA and NABJ nationally. Like, I feel like we do a good amount of working together with our colleagues at the Asian American Journalists Association and the National Association of Hispanic Journalists and um, the National, what is it, the Native American Journalists Association and, and uh, like the different diversity serving mm -hmm. organizations. I feel like we work well together. We don't always work on everything together, but I feel like that is a coalition building place where I feel like I see it the most uh, in action and like seeing the value in it because we are able to uh, see that, okay, we have all of these groups coming together to ask for X or to demand Y or to make a statement about you know, Z. Z. Uh, I was like, <laughs> am I gonna continue that or not? Um, and and I, I appreciate the way that that comes together and I think it, it is always more impactful and at least perceived as more valuable when, when we do those kinds of things, but I, think that you have a really important point here about it being related to our level of investment with the person involved, mm -hmm. um, the person or people or group involved. Um, unpack that a little bit more. Well, I mean, I, I, I was thinking of it in terms of like, you know, I'm more likely to engage in a conversation with someone who you know, I know, you know, may have a different perspective than me on a particular issue if they're family and when mm. i say family i'm specifically talking about like we grew up in the same house you know mm -hmm. all y'all you know cousins and them y'all can gonna be over there and be loud and wrong over there but like if i if my mom right has an issue with something right i will take the time to to try to coach and and teach and 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 you know come to some sort of understanding with my mother or my little sister 
um, versus, you know, all this conversation that we have about, we hear, um, and that we've been hearing, particularly in the last couple of weeks about like, you know, the Democrats, now that they've won, now that Biden went, has won, have to figure out how to talk to, you know, Trump supporters, right? And how not to alienate Trump supporters. And that feels like that, that, that's just different, right? That, that level of investment isn't there for me as I think it's not there for you. And I don't even know if it should be there for, you know, the Democrats, because let's be real, the Republicans wasn't trying to work across the aisle. They wasn't trying, like, they were, they had their unbridled power. They followed that Cheeto to do what the hell he wanted to do. Um, and so that's what I mean when I talk about like the level of investment, I think being different and dictating in particular um, you know, the ways in which I might be interested in engaging in quote unquote common ground conversations and ways in which I'm not. So I know for me with, if we look at this, if we're looking at this from a governmental, you know, political party perspective, the reason that I was pushing back on the idea of finding common ground with Trump supporters is the idea that it is a black progressives per, uh, work to, understand where the Trump supporter is coming from. It frustrates me because as we've talked about on the show in many different ways, black people, brown people, queer, trans people have worked so hard for so long to try and fit into this culture, into this society, um, into this government, into you know this population, if you will, um, with code switching and trying to dress differently, speak differently, wear our clothes differently, abbreviate our names and ways and all that kind of shit. Um, we get who those people are. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we know who white people are. We know who like the racist white people are. And as I say in the piece, like I'm saying white people and I know that there are white people like, well, I'm not one of those white people. But like the majority of people who voted for Trump were white people and the majority of white people voted for Trump. So like when I use that expression, that is what I'm saying. I see you doing that math. Right. Yes, like, <laughs> right. Like, but like this gymnastics going on. But like when I, I, I don't think it is the work of of black people, brown people, queer, trans people to try and understand the people that hate them or mm. don't see them as human. I don't think that is our work. So this is actually gets to, I think, a part of my anti of it all, which is like, I think you're right. I know you're right, right? That, that it is not the work of the most marginalized people to to be the teachers right of of to teach our oppressors how they're oppressing us right that is not our work and let's be real when we engage in some of these common ground type of conversations like that can be a task you know having conversations with people who are ignorant and when i say ignorant i don't mean like the pejorative right i mean the literal description of like they just don't know they're right? unaware and they, yeah right and they and they feel like what they do know um is is the end all be all right and so like it is it can be mentally physically emotionally exhausting to engage in those conversations and take on that burden and though we say that's not our job and maybe it also and maybe i should also say to be clear it is not our job however many of us be taking it on because we feel like we have to because if, if we don't say it so, if we are not there to ensure 
how can we really uh, uh, ensure, right, that the other side is getting what they supposed to be getting from it? So I, I think that's a super important distinction to make. When I say it is not our work, I think there is, a, is an important conversation about there are many of us who choose to do that work. Mm -hmm. right for a check for a check or for a cause or for a movement or what have you right mm -hmm. but it is not inherently my job because i am a progressive or because i check the d on the my registration ballot <laughs> shout out to the d um but Ooh. i i just it is not inherently my work as a progressive to try and understand a conservative is what i'm trying to say right mm -hmm. like I am vice president of the National Association of Black Journalists of LA, right? Like that's literally the work that we do though, right? Like of, of trying to like clear up that messaging and make sure that it's equitable and all of that kind of stuff. It is literally part of the job, but it is not inherent to all of the marginalized groups to like try and understand their oppressor or to try and make feel comfortable the person who dehumanizes them and that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And I think that is a super important like asterisk here um, that for people who choose to do that work, good on them, good on us, whomever. But like I, kind of in the same way that I always tell people, um, especially like white people, when you want to have a conversation about race with someone, there are generally two schools of thought. One of them is ask me whatever question, no matter how stupid you might think it would be, because I would rather you ha ask me the stupid question and, and, and get a good answer than walk mm -hmm. around with some fucked up ideas. The, and that person is perfectly right in that perspective. And there's another person whose perspective is, it is not my job to unpack my trauma, to answer your questions, to educate you and make sure that you get it, right? Mm -hmm. And that person is right too. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it is not it is not their job as a human being, as a black person, as a as a neighbor, as your cousin or whomever um, to educate you if they are comfortable with that more power to them. Um, but I but that asterisk or that question that you pose, I think, is a super important one. Something you said earlier that I would like you to unpack, as the girls say these days, um, you said that you're not, you know, debating or not having conversations or not seeking, quote unquote, common ground. I think I said something like this similar, but common ground on like your humanity, on your, your identities. Um, say more ab about wh what you mean by that. Well, I had a conversation with my parents, I guess this is before, when I lived in Atlanta. So I was probably mid to late 20s. Um, and I said to them, so listen, I know that you're still understanding me being gay and have a bunch of questions and what have you, but like, at some point I'm probably going to bring somebody home for Christmas and like, either you're going to be in or you're going to be out, but I'm not going to do the half-ass like, well, mm -hmm. you can come, but they can't, or they can come, but we ain't going to speak to them or, well, y'all can't stay in the same, like, I'm not doing that with y'all. Either you're in <laughs> or you're out. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so like, I'm not willing to negotiate with you about who I am. Now, what I believe, what I think, you know, uh, those kinds of things, we can have conversation about that. But like, this is who I am. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna debate that. Well, see, I think what's one thing it's interesting is, you know, there are things there are beliefs, right, that you have, that we all have because of who we are, right, that, you know, similarly, right, would then be non-negotiable, 
right? So, like, for me, I feel like, you know, like, I'm not debating, you know, um, trans rights with you, right? Mm. I'm not debating you, you know, being okay with trans people using the bathroom that matches their gender, I'm not debating because right, which is which is a a I think like a societal belief that is connected to one's idea about whether trans people are quote unquote real, sure, right? Um, and I feel I feel similarly, but I wonder about you know what what <laughs> what then happens or how do we as people who are you know. Uh, in the quote-unquote minority, I hear Dr. Joy Degree yelling listen, at us right now. Listen, um, but in terms of like the power differential, in terms of the privilege differential, we in the minority, right? Mm-hmm. Although we, as folks of color and diverse background, may be of the you know population majority, but how then do we get to that promised land? You know, like how do we, you know? Get to, get to that utopiac, utopiac, wow. um, utopian. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> utopian space, right? That we that we want to live and exist in, um, without having some sort of 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 space from which we can agree um, and work from. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, I think this makes me think about. Um... I feel like there was over the last four years or however long now, there's always been this conversation about like who should be working in the Trump administration. And like whenever someone goes to work in the Trump administration, there's like an instant cancellation. Absolutely not. Like this happened with Van Jones recently, right? Which Van Jones is a whole different conversation. But like, I think there, there is value in someone being at the table, right? Mm -hmm. Mind you, I'm not her. But like, but you know what I mean? But like, I think there is value in like, I would rather if they are putting together policy about housing or education or immigration or whatever, I feel more comfortable with there being someone or someones at that table to be a part of that conversation. I don't think it's a bad thing for Van Jones to be at the White House having a conversation about how we can make policy better. If mm-hmm. if we can pull the the policy more to a more progressive position, um, I don't think there's a problem with uh, Chrisette Michelle singing. I'm kidding. Fuck that. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like I think there, I think there's a I. Th- I think there is value in having someone that has a more progressive or just a differing perspective mm-hmm. um, at those tables of conversation. And I think that that expands outside of like governmental politics and saying like, if there's a super conservative family and you are the progressive person, you know, at that dinner table, I think there's value in your voice being a part of that conversation and saying, actually, uncle so-and-so, the problem with what you're saying is X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the flaw in your thinking is blah. Or the missing data from what you just said, right? Or the data that does not exist or that contradicts what you're saying is blank. Um, And so I think there's value in trying to find common ground, but I also think that we have to acknowledge that it is not always people's uh, inherent work to do that job or to to have that voice or to be a part of that conversation. Mm. So what I'm thinking of now is like the ways in which, you know, over the last four years, 
we've been this is the the general we not the you and i we um we have the royal we if you will yes hallelujah (laughs) um and and people have been saying like to the progressive white folks right that like you need to get around that thanksgiving table that christmas table and you need to hold accountable your 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 folks who voted for trump right and i i think at least of of for this year, it might also be appropriate to say that, like, somebody at the black table need to deal with these menses who voted for Trump as well. I don't know who, and I'm not going to put no no term on it, but somebody in the family got to get them together, Jesus. Listen, okay? because, because <laughs> that number went up this time and not down. Different, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 so I wonder if, if we think it is different when we're talking about family in terms of that, that what that responsibility looks like, uh, if it looks like anything. Because I'm also thinking at the same time, like, I don't want, for example, like a trans woman to be like, you know, re-traumatizing herself by engaging in a conversation with somebody in their family who just ain't seen it for them, right? I don't want to advocate for that. But I also am wondering, like, how do we... Um, we as black folks, right, hold accountable those folks in our circles, in our spaces, in our families. Um, And the same thing for white folks and folks of other backgrounds when, when, you know, when that investment might look different. Well, I think at the risk of a a shameless plug, we did an episode in July called Okay, Allies, Now Let's Get Information, which great title work by uh, Jordan. (laughs) Um, And I think that is a perfect conversation to look to when it comes to like, how do you have that conversation, right? Or like, how do you even, um, Mm. how do you begin to engage what your role is in that situation? Because like, you know, everyone loves this ally conversation and this ally language, but it's like, oh, well, is it my job to say X, Y, Z? Like, yes, it is. And this is why, right? Like, I don't need you to be my ally. I don't need you to be my support system. This is your work. And I'm happy to help you in the ways that I can. So maybe what it is then is, you know, thinking it and, and, you know, for all the folks that may be listening to this while you are trying to ignore somebody at the, at the Thanksgiving table. Or on um, your way to the dinner or getting ready for that Zoom call or whatever it is. Right. Whatever it is, maybe it's like, you know, when we think of specific communities, right, um, it's whoever whoever has the most privilege right in that in that space is the person who should you know take it upon themselves to hold accountable the other people in that space who who might not you know who might not be doing what the hell they should be doing right so like the other black men in that space need to be the ones talking to their fellow black men figuring out why the fuck they voted for Trump, right? In the same ways that like maybe, you know, um maybe it's 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 your you 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 handle the cousins, somebody else of an older generation handles the older generation or whatever the case may be. Um in terms of this what? idea concept of 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 grappling with folks. But that also kind of goes back to that conversation or the point that you made about uh investment, right? If this is if I'm going to, you know, Thanksgiving dinner and my uncle is someone who voted for Trump, which I'm not and he didn't, not to my knowledge. Um <laughs> I I am much more invested and by much more I mean marginally cuz like what? But right. I'm much more invested with having that conversation with, you know, ex family member than I am with having it with, you know, random person 
X about right. like you believe whatever about what Donald Trump said or you don't think you should have to wear a mask, whatever, you know? Yeah. I yeah, I do it's 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 I think it's an interesting, you know, situation, if you will, when we talk about common ground, because I do think that it's it's while I think it's similar, you know, between the political context and, and the familial context, um, I think they're all, they are also different. Um, but but also maybe not. I don't know. Shit. I, I yeah. Finding common ground, I think, is one of those conversations that um, I, I from a professional perspective, I think it has a lot of value personally. Honey, it's case by case. We want to know what you all think about this, though. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram <laughs> or on Twitter at Fanti Podcast. Um, all is one word, Twitter or Instagram. You can DM us, tweet at us, comment, or, or however you like. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, while we're asking for your feedback, we're going to get into some of your feedback from last week's episode because y'all had a lot to say about that BIPOC episode. That's coming up next. Okay, beautiful people. So we're getting into the holidays. All right. I know you're trying to figure out what the heck you gonna buy your significant other, maybe. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your mama, your uncle, too. Okay? You're trying to figure out what's gonna make sense. Was that an Aaliyah reference? Me and it, you. Sure. Yes, it was. Too. Um, So it's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save real big on a gift that they can use every single day. Raycon wireless earbuds. We've been telling y'all about the Raycons for a minute now, all right? Shout out to Ray J and his whole team for bringing it together with a seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit. You can start listening right away and keep listening for hours and only hear what you want to hear, okay? Not what everybody else is doing outside of you, all right? <laughs> the audio quality is comparable to what you get from other premium brands, except Raycon Start at half the price. So this holiday season, get them something they can use for calls, music, for work or play and at home or on the go. And right now, if you go to buyraycon.com slash fantai today, get 20% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash fantai. And you've got to hurry because this offer is available for a limited time only. And you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash fantai to get 20% off of your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Fanti. This week's episode is also brought to you in part by Brooklinen. So listen, Brooklinen is new on the show, which means we just got our sheets and duvet and pillowcases in the mail. And I am so pleased. <laughs> like <laughs> these sheets are everything. I for me, I'm not a person who has a top sheet on. I always have like a a fitted sheet and just like the comforter over. Yes, but like me too. I, but I put the top sheet on because I wanted the sheets on both sides. <laughs> like it, they feel great. They're very comfortable, um, and the pillowcases are great. Like I, I just love it. And some mornings when you wake up, you feel ready to pull the covers over your head. That's often me, uh, and go back <laughs> to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. If you don't love your sheets. Brooklinen has you covered. Brooklinen works directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has beautiful home essentials, bedding, sheets, towels, and more that didn't cost an arm and a leg. Brooklinen is so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. 
What that means is you can put it on your bed and get all up in, in it, okay? You get all up in that good, good on it, okay? And oh. then, not like that, Jesus. I'm just, I'm going off of what you said. I meant feeling good. You know, you uh-huh. know that scene from um, Queen Latifah's uh, Last Holiday when she's in the hotel and she lays mm. in the bed and she's just like, oh, oh. You know, that is what I'm talking about, okay? Brooklyn's biggest sale of the year is going on right now. They even got candles, silk eye masks, robes, gift cards, and more for great gift giving for everyone on your list. Get huge savings, 20% off, and free shipping through November 30th, okay? Go to brooklinen.com right now and use promo code FANTI for 20% off and free shipping, okay? B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot com and enter promo code fanti for 20 percent off your order plus free shipping get some sleep girl yes <laughs> all righty beautiful people welcome back okay now we're gonna get into your listener feedback so as jared said y'all y'all was very y'all felt yourselves from this last episode I can always tell that an episode was a spicy one when I wake up and there's an email about it already. And I'm like, it's only (laughs) seven o'clock. Like what? Right. And so we're going to get into some of the feedback that you all have given us about different sections of that show. So first off, the fan tie of last week's episode, we talked about that term BIPOC. And Jared, you asked about, you know, you wonder how Latinx folks, Asian American folks um, feel about the term. And so we have this email here from Natalie, who says they're Asian American um, and says they wanted to share their perspective of the whole BIPOC thing. When I first encountered it, I thought it was created to exclusively refer to black and indigenous people as in quote black and indigenous people of color as opposed to black comma indigenous comma and people of color right which i never even thought about which uh, it makes perfect sense but i hadn't thought about that yeah me either. Uh, so natalie says this made sense to me and didn't bother me at all black and indigenous people which I'd say includes any Latinx people that also fall under those labels since there's a wide range of races in Latin America due to colonization and slavery, do absolutely have a different experience of racism in America than most Asians and white Latinx folks. So I thought it was a good idea for us to have a term that specifically refers to those who suffer from the effects of the genocide and slavery this country was founded on. However, once I realized that BIPOC was just the new POC with with B and I extracted I was less enthusiastic. I'm not sure that saying BIPOC instead of PLC will lead to people thinking more about the needs of indigenous and dark-skinned black people. It's just a switcheroo. Second, it doesn't make semantic sense. Black and indigenous people are considered people of color. Separating them from the umbrella term that includes them kind of implies that they're not, which is obviously not the intent of the term, but that's how it comes off to me. And finally, Natalie says, it does make me feel a little weird to signal out the single out two ethnic groups and lump the others together in the same term. I actually think it's a much better idea to use BIPOC the way I explained in my first paragraph, which is black and indigenous people of color, um, which is more exclusionary of non-black and non-indigenous PLC, because that has a truly mean, can have a truly meaningful effect on centering black and indigenous people. 
I've had a lot of interesting conversations um, since that episode with people who've listened and uh, kind of unpacked it. There was a conversation about like the global perspective on on BIPOC and how the eye of indigenous means something here in North America that is different than what it would right. indigenous in South America versus indigenous in Africa or Australia or, or you know, many places around the world. Um, and I thought that was interesting because I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Um, and I... I'd also had a conversation with someone who was talking about how BIPOC's intention was like recentering, uh, you know, black and indigenous people who have, um, you know, often been like, you know, last on the list or that that have experienced, you know, unique and specific traumas over, you know, the course of history and things like mm-hmm. that. It's been I've had a lot of really interesting conversations around uh, around this episode. Yeah. And I think the majority of the responses we've got is 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 that. Something is off with BIPOC, okay? At minimum. <laughs> I don't think I've seen anybody who emailed us and was like, yes, BIPOC, keep it, we want it. I you love know? that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we got another email about last week's show from Megan, um, who's a physical therapist. Um, and this is about our past the popcorn from last week, in which we talked about whether or not folks were going to take the vaccine for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and Megan tells us, um, I wanted to let you know, I got the COVID vaccine in a trial, the one developed by Johnson and Johnson. I understand that the black community has many reasons to be suspicious of the healthcare system and that the general population is concerned with the speed of the development. It is possible to be so fast because it is possible to be so fast because of the funding available and because companies are using materials that have already been used before, just quote unquote plugging in the COVID DNA. I got a fever for about six hours, which is normal for any vaccine. I slept it off and was fine the next day. We got a lot of emails actually mm-hmm. um, you know, teaching us about coronavirus. Um, and the different Seeming. particulars intending it, but, to do that um yes but i thought it, i thought it was interesting to like have somebody who listens to the show who is you know somebody who's part of this this covid trial uh one of the covid trials i should say um and so thought i would share that yeah megan i thought that was really cool i was like oh my god we have someone who listens who was a part of one of these trials um i think that one of the things that is interesting to me about the covid vaccine is that the covid vaccine is something that companies and people and scientists and folks have been working on all over the world at the same time in a way that doesn't usually happen, right? Like COVID is interesting in that it is uniquely, uh, it is a uniquely global problem that really almost stopped the world this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of- Carry on. (laughs) so, uh, (laughs) So like everybody just kind of, Everyone has literally been put on hold and stopped to uh, because of this this vaccine. So like it makes sense that it would come faster. It still doesn't know. I don't know that it makes me, you know, more excited about it because one of the interesting things that Dr. Fauci talked about that has really stuck with me is that COVID is a virus that will be in the bodies of the people who get it forever, right? And we don't know what COVID does to the body after five years. We don't know what it does in ten years or fifteen or how it comes back. You know, if it comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an interesting, you know, conversation or, or or piece of you know perspective that I've I've really been thinking to myself like, wow, you know, what are people gonna how are, how is that going to look for people? And I think the similar thing with the vaccine um, is like because we don't know what COVID does in the long term, mm-hmm. you know, there's no possible way to know what the vaccine does. All 
All I will add, um, as we got in a couple emails, is just encouraging people to make sure that the information you're getting about, you know, COVID, you're getting from like reputable news sources that you're getting from Anthony. Was Anthony? Is that his first name? Fauci. Anthony Fauci, yeah. Anthony Fauci himself, like, you know, there's misinformation, disinformation all over the place, Jesus, on them internet. So y'all be careful out there. Um, last but not least, from last week's episode, we got an email from Portia, who's written in before, about um, in last week's feedback segment, I read out the feedback from Joseph regarding me, you know, mispronouncing shit. Um, and so I wanted to read out Portia's email, which in part uh, uh, is to Joseph. Um, so Portia says, um, I wanted to add on to what listener Joseph said about Spanish words being mispronounced and why I agree with their discomfort. There are Americans, regardless of race, who play with other cultures like props until it's no longer convenient. When being held accountable, I've witnessed many play into the, quote, dumb American stereotype. They claim the issue is being raised in a U.S.-centric system when it's actually their willful ignorance and refusal to be to better their pronunciation. At the same time, these people may rely on said cultures to seem edgy and interesting. Regardless of intention, it doesn't change impact. When somebody tells us what we're doing is causing them harm, even slightly, it's crucial to take that in, do better, and figure out why. If Joseph is listening to this, I want them to want them to know that I see them and it's not just them. Their hesitancy to speak on the problem echoes how much these microaggressions are normalized and how non-Americans are often gaslit when trying to address it. No one is above accountability, regardless of what demographic they're in or the discrimination they face. Not being well-versed in the culture is not an excuse to be disrespectful. I guess Portia got you together. Well, listen, uh, no, so <laughs> Portia has gotten us together before, okay? And, you know, we see you, sis. Um, I did want to say that, because last week I think I said that I was, you know, still wrestling with it and grappling with it. I did have a friend call me who listens to the show. Shout out to Michael, who was like, bitch, you are wrong, bitch. Mm. Like, you are wrong. I, um, you know, the I way love he, anything that, that gives us a double bitch. Bitch, you are wrong, bitch. <laughs> I, I, that's how you know it's serious. And I'll just say, you know, what he said was that one of the things that he said that Portia didn't say was that you know he was like it's one thing to like you know and y'all listen to the show so y'all know i embellish everybody's words right you know but he said it's one thing to like embellish or overemphasize english language words right because that is my language right he's like it's a different <laughs> thing to do that with you know language from another community and he talked about he was like it's you know in the ways that like you know um, you know, he was like, you basically, he was like, you can reclaim quote unquote or reassert or redefine or re restructure a word if it's yours, if it comes from your community, but like, mm. if it ain't yours, like don't do it, bitch. Um, and you know, that <laughs> paired with Portia's email. And I think we got a couple other, uh, messages. I, I have, I have come to a conclusion. Okay. I have adjudicated the case. Okay. And when we come back, we'll get the rule. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I think, you know, I, I did, you know, uh, message Joseph directly. It was like, you know, sorry, don't want you to feel that way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm just going to say at this point that, you know, I get it and I understand. And, and you know, it's going to take me some time. So y'all be gentle with me. But, you know, I'm going to be better. I'm committed. Jared, y'all, Jared has given me a face. <laughs> 
Okay. I, I'm literally sitting here thinking about paella. So it's just like, <laughs> listen, if you know, you know, if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. But listen, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. Um, all right. Now it's time for us to get into our dishonorable mentions. These are the stories or people that caught our attention this week that deserve a call out either for their good or for their stupid. I am going to go first. Um, my first honorable mention is going to go to one of the favorite, my favorite things I've seen on TV in a long time. Um, this Fresh Prince reunion on HBO Max. Mm. I think this is, I can't think of a television reunion that's better than this one. I think they did such a great job with this reunion. And I'm like, eh, the Living Single reunion was trash because Queen Latifah wasn't there. Um, right. The Will and Grace reunion has been... Ugh. Well, see, that's um, what happens when TV1... No shade to TV1. But that's TV, all shade to TV1, actually. Did TV1 <laughs> do the Living Single uh, I think TV you're right one about or, that. or own or something like that? And that's, that is no shade. But Queen Latifah... It's just data? You, listen, okay? <laughs> but Queen Queen, we, it, you're right. The Living Single one could have been cute if Queen Latifah was there. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that show without her. Um, I, I just want to say to everybody who worked on this Fresh Prince reunion, what I loved about it the most was that for a show that um, was obviously comedy and like, you know, meant to be entertaining, but also, you know, plugged in some messages sometimes. I thought it was really, really uh, impactful that even the reunion had a message in it or two or three mm -hmm. um, about reconciliation and forgiveness and, you know, representation. I thought Tatiana Ali's talking about like the value of what they were doing on that show and how yeah. she learned from James Avery was really, really good. Um, I will also say Shar called. <laughs> I was on the phone with Shar the other day. Shar Jossel, who's been on our show. Uh, she's our only returning champion on the show. Um, she was like, I feel like James Avery gave me very Jarrett Hill uh, energy. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so we had a conversation wow. about that. Never heard that before. But by the end of the conversation, I kind of got what she meant. Don't know that I agree, but I, I see what she was doing there. Anyway. Um, but yes, I just thought that was a, a, a fantastic thing. If you haven't seen it, that's on HBO Max right now. And it is worth every minute. I agree. Um, and I'm glad that he brought, you know, uh, the black actress, Janet Hubert, um, to participate, the OG Aunt Viv, uh, because she deserves. Were you shocked as I was when uh, Daphne said, I've never even met her? I was, but then I was but like, But it makes so much sense. And, and I was like, why would they have met? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wanted to see more of Janet's interaction with the rest of the cast. I mean, they did it very montage -y and didn't go into the conversation. But I just thought, like, seeing her walk onto that set just... Like, I was emotional watching it. Was, it. it was good. It was good. Y'all should check it out. Um, my first honorable mention, I'm only going to do two this week, goes out to The Stallion herself, Miss Megan The Stallion, who dropped her debut album, Good News, last week. Um, I know, I don't know, I don't know what the reviews and stuff are saying, but I find it very enjoyable. I know that when we can all go back out to the club, you know, save the people in Atlanta, because I know Atlanta is acting foolish. Child, they but, at the club right now. Listen, okay. But, you know, when we get back out, baby. <laughs> Jordan just, I was waiting for you to stop talking and Jordan is messaging us, body, yada, 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 Like, it's I was just, like, when when can I say it? When can I say it? <laughs> we are going to be throwing that ass like we never threw it, okay? Listen, listen. When we can get back out. So shout out to Meg Thee Stallion, who also, um, I think, was um, nominated for a Grammy or two. Yes. Um, and so shout out, shout out to her. She deserves. 
Um, I want to give an honorable mention to Barack Obama. I think we've all heard of him. Uh, he's the 44th president of these here, United States. Um, he has a new book called A Promised Land, which if you haven't heard about this, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but I'm reading it right now. And it's just, it's a really good, it's very detailed. Um, and and by reading, he means he's doing the audio book. Absolutely. Yes. First of all, I don't like the shade in that, the tone yeah. of that. I'm just saying. Um, I think it's it's really good. And like, it's also just kind of nice to like hear about an administration who, you know, use, use their better judgment and had some thought into it and, you know, okay, gave yeah. a fuck about America. So I, I'm enjoying it. If you haven't gotten it, I am really enjoying the audiobook and hearing him read it and like just kind of listening to his takes. And I also love hearing Barack Obama say cuss words. I'll check it out. Um, I wonder, if, does he talk about, you know, um, um, you know, deporting people? Uh, we haven't gotten to that yet. We're still- Does I'm, he talk I'm, about bombing countries? Well, I'm still on chapter 12, which is only in the first month of the administration. So I just need okay. you to give me some just more Just checking. Just checking. You know. Also, this is the first <laughs> of two volumes. The book is divided into half. I believe the first book is the first Girl, we don't want to hear him talk that much. I'm is, sorry. Okay. Talk for yourself. But, like, but anyway. Well, I promise and that's why I'm, they're giving him the money. Because you will read it 12 or you will have it read to you. 12 times. Are you done? No. My last honorable mention actually goes to the the rising phenomenon of calling people ashy. I can't. You know, I was in a in a group on Facebook the other day and the, a group on Facebook that was created in response to um, folks being part of another larger Facebook group and just feeling as if there was like too much of a generational difference between the old heads in that group and the younger folks in that group. And so the younger folks broke off and created their own group. And somebody called... Pause. A, I'm not going to ask you for what group this is, but would I be familiar with what group this was? I doubt it, but maybe. Okay, carry on. Anyway... Uh, and somebody was just like calling them ashy and I was like ashy is just a beautiful it's a beautiful sentiment right like to, to describe somebody as ashy it's just like you 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 tired you're old you you don't even care about moisturizing your elbows okay you walking around here looking like you just got out of the pool you know like you ain't got no shea butter no cocoa butter no 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 olive oil even to, to mm. lotion up yourself you know I just love call. I just love it. I don't really call people ashy, but like I just ah, it just it gives me joy. It it rings very Portia Williams. Um, bye, bye, ashy. Um, it also feels a little racy. Um, well, these are black people saying this. I was gonna say yeah to uh, other black pe people. I was gonna say white people don't start saying that. Um, that's <laughs> that, that one's not for you. Uh, love y'all. Um, I. So I had a dishonorable mention here that I'm not going to actually use because something else happened today that I want to pull out. But I do okay. want to just give a quick dishonorable mention to ABC and the show Big Sky. Um, if you guys have seen Disclosure, you know the conversation around like the the use of trans people in media as like prostitutes and murdering them and not really giving them a story. Big Sky did that in their in their premiere episode, and then like it's interesting at the end, but like, I just, I, it really irked me. Um, but I want to give an honorable mention to Michael Kilgore, who's a friend of mine who yes. was nominated for a Grammy uh, this week for his uh, song called Let Me Go. 
till you let me go. Um, it is a fantastic song. He's a, a really fantastic singer, and uh, I'm really excited for him because, you know, it's a huge deal to get nominated for a Grammy. And I'll just say as like a, a extra honorable mention as it relates to Michael, Michael was on, a guest on Darnell Moore's podcast this morning, Being Seen, that you yeah. all should check out. Um, it's a really, really good podcast that I enjoy as well. So, um, Yes. Before we go, we've got one more thing to let you know about. We've got a very exciting drop of some of the very first Fantime merch that is getting ready to come out. Not going to tell you what it's going to be. Just going to let we you see what did. it is. Well, I, I mean, we said we told you guys it's going to be face masks. We're not telling you what's on them yet. You'll be able to see them when it comes out. But we're very excited about it. Make sure to stay tuned to our Twitter and Instagram um, to be ready for them when they come out because it's coming soon. And yes, y'all. This I'm, is like this is like a Beyonce album drop. All right. We're not telling you when to expect it. We're just telling you to keep your coins ready. Okay? Get your fans high drip. Listen, <laughs> it's gonna be limited quantities. All right. So you got to make sure that you're paying attention to it's the limited edition. Whatever. Um, Fantype at Fantype Podcast on all of the social medias and then our own individual social medias. You know, just keep your eyeballs peeled, okay? Keep them peeled all the way up. That way you don't miss out on it. Stay ready so you ain't got to... Never mind. Hallelujah. We thank you so much for listening to the show. We ask that you give us a five-star rating and leave a review for us on iTunes um, because it really helps us with the show. Um, if you have a comment or a suggestion about this week's show, you can find us on social media as we were just talking about at Fantai Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're interested in being a part of the Maximum Fun family, join in the Fantai fam. Go to join at... Uh, maximumfun.org slash join. We're going to be doing some cool uh, exclusive content for members coming up in the coming weeks that we're really excited about. But you've got to be a member to get that special content. So make sure to go to maximumfun.org slash join for how you can become a member. And as always, you can shoot us an email of your feedback, of your thoughts, of what you want to hear us talking about um, at fanti at maximumfun.org. Our music is provided by the one and only Corey, C-O-R dot E-C-E. Check them out wherever you get Slayworthy audio. And our graphics are done by Ashley Wen. Our producers are... <clears throat> you ready? Mm-hmm. Laura Swisher! Gobble, 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 gobble. Oh, I see what you did there, because it's Thanksgiving. And it's a turkey. <laughs> I get it. Um, and Jordan Cowley! Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. <laughs> Listen, I'm always ready. You never know what's going to happen, okay? You never know. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, poo, okay? Period. Okay? What are we perioding? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Mind your business. <laughs> yeah, stay over there.